When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Captain Kiwi, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon, and you should too. It'll keep the wind in your sails. Just go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon to show your support. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I'm John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And we know Mo is here. Hey, everybody. The Backtrack is, as you probably know, the episode where we take a single nostalgic topic and dig in deep. And the Backtrack topic this time around was suggested by one of our fourth listeners, Tom J. wrote in, and he said he wanted to hear us talk about this very topic. We know that a cornerstone of the Gen X kind of latchkey experience <laughs> is that world's best babysitter, the television. <laughs> so read us when we got home. It's how we spent our evenings. It's always there for us. It is always there we weren't there mom (laughs) i don't mean that mom if you're listening you're always there but in this episode we're running down some of our favorite 1980s era detective tv shows that we enjoyed growing up in the 80s so uh we'll get into that in a second but first it's time for one of my favorite parts of the show and that is some fourth listener email we knew there were three of us we would listen to the show if anybody else does they must be the fourth listener and this time around that fourth listener is john h longtime listener subject line of his email was just checking in very (laughs) simple Okay. okay. We have a hotel now? Because I haven't gotten uh, that profit share yet. No, checking in on us. He'd not written it uh, alone. So. <laughs> you be You're more intentionally misunderstanding me. me. I know that you are. <laughs> I just want to make money. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, John says, Dear Gen X grownups, haven't sent you an email in a while and thought I would catch up. I still listen to the podcast every Thursday morning. Watch all your YouTube videos. Oh, wow. You guys are still the best in the business. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm curious what the business is because I don't know what we're the best in the business of, but I appreciate the sentiment. Does it matter? Does it really matter? Just take the compliment. I can tell you it's not owning a hotel and not making money. I can tell you <laughs> no, that. No, we figured that out early on. We're checking out. <laughs> He goes on to say, oh, thank you, by the way, John, for that compliment. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you. He said, I enjoyed the live stream the other night with George and John, where, George, oh, you were playing. Uh, yeah, the one I didn't enjoy. The, the lemony one. Yeah. That one. <laughs> the Sour Patch Puss well, you, you were playing the Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. right? And you were eating sour stuff for contributions. Ooh. I enjoyed it a lot. You did. <laughs> Absolutely, you did. You came up with that crazy pricing scheme. It worked, didn't it? You can get five number twos for that money. <laughs> Damn it. I thought that was brilliant. I thought you'd be proud of me for really working the numbers. You yeah. know, my inner businessman is proud of you. Okay. The rest of my body, not so much. Your palate, not so much. Yeah, got it. John goes on to say, I thoroughly enjoyed the wrestling podcast that you oh, hosted, George. Yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. I stopped watching around 1987. So when I saw Hulk Hogan turn to bad guy, I had no idea what was going on. Now I know, obviously, yep. thanks to our episode. <laughs> uh, my son got into wrestling a few years back. About four years ago, he decided he wanted to see WWE when they came to Huntsville. I told him I would take him, but after watching a few episodes on TV, I was really dreading it. However, watching it in person ended up being great. Awesome. The wrestlers put on an awesome show, and the crowd was really into it. It's completely different experience. It's just like watching a band play on TV versus going to a concert. When you mm -hmm. go and you see the work that they put in live in front of you and all the blood, sweat, and tears coming to fruition, it's kind of an awesome experience. It, I can't give it enough praise. And those guys, good Lord, do they put their bodies on the line. Mm, yeah. I mean, the trope is like, oh, it's fake. But in reality, it, it might be manufactured, mm -hmm. but it's real athleticism. It's real writing. It is real acting. It is real acrobatics. It's everything. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. The way that wrestlers mostly accept it being said when you want to say that kind of terminology is yeah. it's predetermined. Predetermined. Okay. okay. Yep. yep. It's scripted. Yep. It's, it's predetermined. Yep. And I don't care what anybody says, and this is the one I always use, try getting hit with a chair in any way you want. <laughs> I don't oh, care. He, he got fake hit with a chair. No, no, that was a hit with a chair. <laughs> Just try it and then come back and talk to those poor guys because they get hit with those goddamn things six nights a week. Mm -hmm. Not me. I'm out. <laughs> uh, John, John winds up by saying all three of you are doing a great job. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Looking forward to all the upcoming podcasts, YouTube videos, and live streams. Please give Marcus a special shout out for the lemon <laughs> purchase during that live stream. <laughs> so, uh, as you wish, John, thank you, Marcus, for the lemon during the live stream. If you don't know what we're talking about, I will ask Mo to throw a show note to a it. link to that live stream. You can go back and see George suffer. Uh, it was it was great fun, if you're not George, I can assure you. <laughs> if you're not George, it was awesome. It was liquid, yep. rusted tinfoil, battery acid. It was awful. <laughs> Oh, my God. He says, also, I forgot to give you guys a reason for my leaving the live stream, oh, yeah. which oh, we yeah. ask all of our viewers to do. He said he had to leave because the hookers were at the door. Yeah. Wins. Got to go. That wins. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John with an H. Cool. Thank you so much, John. We really appreciate that you wrote in and your feedback on what we're doing. We're so grateful for the kind words, too, especially. Uh, hey, hey, if you'd like your email feature here on the show, it's so easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Read every single one. And most of them, just like John's, will eventually make this show. All right. It is time now to get into some of those 80s detective TV shows, as promised, when we get back. Stick around. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show too. It helps more than you know. Tomorrow on the CBS Late Movie. You couldn't find the parade grounds without my help, William. Who in the hell needs you for anything? The guest of honor at a military academy finds the parade grounds, but loses his life. Implications are that somebody was trying to kill you. Then Columbo finds new evidence that changes his mind. Somebody's trying to set me up. Who's trying to set you up? Peter Falk is back with more exciting cases on Late Night as Columbo.
It's a weekday night. We're tuned into the TV. And very often, you can't get away from any weekday night on major in the 80s on any major network without some sort of detective or cop show or mm-hmm. murder mystery mm-hmm. or something like that. There's so many shows we could be focusing on. So in this episode, we're specifically focusing on detective shows, shows about detectives. And we've kind of broken them up in a few different categories. And this first one we're going to talk about are detectives who are employed by <laughs> the police department. Right. Uh, and yeah. not, there are some shows where we had detectives and cops. And it was kind of talking about all of them. But in these shows we picked, they're specifically focused on just one or two detectives that work for the police department and it's focused around them. I think it'll become evident yeah. how we're categorizing when we start getting into these different shows. But I, rather than talk about what we're going to talk about, why don't we start talking about what we're going to talk about <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> with, with a series that was around early in the 70s even, but lasted on through the 80s. Yeah. Uh, Mo, why don't you get us started? Oh, sure. Uh, this is a show that actually my, me and my dad used to watch. It was Columbo. Um, like you said, it started at 71. It went to like, actually, I think in 2000, they even did a couple episodes in the early 2000s. They did wow. a couple. Mm. And the stuff we liked about it is like, I liked how Columbo kind of flipped the script on Detective, where they started off showing you the crime. So you saw what happened. You saw how they did it. So there's no mm-hmm. mystery. There's no mystery at all. But then you see Columbo, and he started from the beginning. So you already know everything. So you just wait for him to put it all together. <laughs> and you also know that famous thing. Just one more thing. One more thing. Just one more thing. <laughs> he's so disarming. Like yeah. he asks questions and he acts like he's a bumbling kind of detective, right. but he's really putting you on your heels and getting you off your guard. And just when you're relaxed, he's like, oh, thank you for your time. Uh, just one more thing. Did yeah. you kill him? Right. Did you <laughs> right. Get right in your face with that one more Are thing. Are you left-handed, you know, or something like that? <laughs> yep. So this is Peter Falk, if I remember oh, yeah, correctly, absolutely. right? Yes. Princess Bride, yeah. Yeah. you know, grandfather mm-hmm. comes over, yep. reads the story, that guy, right? Yep, it mm-hmm. is. Exactly. I can see him as a bumbling cop just from oh, he does really I, what job. I remember the pictures mm-hmm. when I would see. I didn't really watch Columbo. You guys, Mo, I know you obviously did. Yeah. But I remember images and even in other movies, Columbo was featured sometimes like other TV shows or movies. They would say Columbo would be on the TV and be like, there's no way that would really happen. Real life. <laughs> but I'm like, you're not real life, but <laughs> I can see him being that bumbling cop and being fun to watch. I might go back and take a look at some of those. Well, the other thing I like about Columbo is that he didn't do a lot of episodes each season, but each episode was like an hour and a half long. Oh. It felt like little movies. It reminded yeah, me of the like, BBC, like how they movies. do like Sherlock Holmes, right? They're right. like, we're going to do a, an event, right? right? It's like a longer three form episode thing. series, right? Yeah, exactly. All in sort one of, yep. thing, though. So they, mm-hmm. every season, you may only have like six or seven episodes, hmm. but they were hmm. long. And then you said it was just great because you knew like he was just like the smart guy with the wrinkled coat, drive that awful car that kept breaking down, all that stuff. But it was one of my favorite. Like I said it was a great show and I just enjoyed watching it. Yep. Uh, another one that I absolutely had to make the list when we were talking about this is one that I probably didn't watch religiously, but my parents loved. It originated in the 70s, but it had revivals in like 85 and 87. And that's Kojak. Oh, so oh, Telly, Telly Savalas. Savalas. He's yeah. bald. He's got the sucker that he's, oh, he's got the lollipop. Yeah, the always. Lollipops. Probably yeah. one of the most famous bald actors of all time. Oh, yeah. Him yep. and Patrick Stewart. Patrick right? Stewart. <laughs> <Those two. right? laughs> this was a, a TV detective that had a catchphrase that everybody would do. Who loves you, baby? Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's the Kojak catchphrase. And not just the catchphrase, the catch prop 
thing. I don't know what to call it, but the damn lollipop. The lollipop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah you always right? had that. That was just his thing. And it, I would say that the show in general for me was just an average show. But the fact, Telly Savalas was, had such a personality. Right. And the fact that they built in what at the time people didn't like devise catchphrases like that just happened, you know? Yeah. And so he had the lollipop. They found these idiosyncrasies with him that made it really interesting to watch, even though my parents were the ones watching it because, you know, there's one TV in the house and I can't watch what I want. So you'd watch what your parents were watching. <laughs> you watch so over Kojak on. was one that you didn't mind because <laughs> right. you're like, oh, here he is. He's bald. He's got a lollipop. He's a smart aleck. And I, I love that about him. So yeah, Kojak is my pick. Yeah, I think one of the ones that I really like that fits into this employed police detectives kind of thing is one that my mm-hmm. parents were super happy about. And the reason why they were super happy about it was because they liked the original movie it was based on. So hmm. it's called In the Heat of the Night from the late 80s to the kind of the mid 90s. So it barely hmm. makes our list years wise. But you're talking about Archie Bunker, oh, right? Oh, Carol Connor. Carol Connors. I know I remember yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, originally, you know, kind of based on, I think it was Rod Steiger and Sidney Portier in the original movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now yeah. it's coming together. Yeah. So it was very popular popular during this time frame and the reason why it holds just a little place in my heart that I wanted to put it on the list is simply because it was one of the rare, very rare shows that both of my parents actually liked. There was like <laughs> in the heat of the night, hee haw. <laughs> Grand Ole Opry and Dukes of Hazard. Those were the shows that both of them actually liked. Now they would watch shows together, right? But those were the only four that they, that they really liked both together. Enjoyed. Like Mom loved Love Boat. Dad couldn't stand it, but he would let her watch it. You know. But In the Heat of the Night was one that kind of brought them together. I was That's too cool. young to really enjoy it because this is when I'm getting into my teenage and early college years and in the heat of the night, that 70s movie, that's a piece of crap. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. I was too proud to enjoy it for what it was. You know, now that I'm, it's coming together in my mind, I remember that being one of the first times I made the realization that actors you knew in one thing could do different things, but not just different things, different genres, right? So mm. Carol O'Connor was just Archie Bunker in my right. mind. That's yeah. all he was. But then I saw him in this and I'm like, when's it get funny? And it didn't. Right. And he's like, oh, he's a dramatic actor. He's serious. And, and I'm he like, was damn oh, good at it. Yeah, yeah, this guy is a talented actor, not just a yuck it up, you know, funny guy and, and the super, <laughs> super racist and offensive mm-hmm, guy that you saw right. in Archie Bunker. Here he was being a very different character. It was one of the first times I remember making the connection that actors aren't just hired to do one thing, that they could be in lots of stuff. And Carol O'Connor's who kind of turned me on to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you'd said your parents were super into In the Heat of the Night. So I have one that I remember that I wanted to mention here that my parents did not like at all, but I <laughs> okay. did. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. So this is only ran six episodes in 1982. Police Squad. Oh, yeah. Wait, you only <laughs> six episodes? That's it. Holy That's cow. It. So this now, if you've seen the Naked Gun movies, the first Naked Gun is actually called Naked Gun hyphen from the files of Police Squad. Oh, right. that's right. It was based on this little series. It yeah. was Leslie Nielsen. It was already Detective Frank Drebin. And it was like so many of the Naked Gun and those kind of films, it was sight gags galore. There's a character who's too tall for the screen and you could never see his head. <laughs> yeah, OJ Simpson was already in that series because he was later in the Naked Gun series. He oh, showed up yeah. in there. They had a different guest star every time that highlighted. And usually the guest star was there to get killed in the first two minutes and you never saw them again. It was like a running joke. <laughs> right. I say running joke, only six episodes. Six episodes but- running. <laughs> 
It was a light jog. Yeah. <laughs> if you like that goofy slapstick, some people like find it offensive. Like airplane sort of thing, right? It's airplane. It's exactly right. It's like that. Everything is dumb. Like you see a, ta- a phone on a table in forced perspective, and then he walks up and picks it up, and it's actually a giant phone. It's not that far away. <laughs> goofy little stuff. I always say that kind of humor is like, if you don't like this joke, stick around 30 seconds. There's another one. There's another one. You'll right. One of them will make you chuckle. So the fact that it spawned the Naked Gun films, it gave Leslie Nielsen this comedic career that he had. So Police Squad, uh, I would definitely want to talk about. So it's one that I really enjoyed and still do today. You know, I, I kind of, I want to finish out this segment a little bit with a show that it's indicative of the time. So in the mid eighties, there was a certain segment of our population of our cultural pop sensations or whatever that were making transitions into the television or movie mediums. And that were sports athletes, specifically football players. Oh, okay. So there was a uh-huh. detective show that came out in the mid 80s, 1984 to be exact, called Hunter. Hmm. This was the a vehicle for a guy named Fred Dreyer. He was a former defensive end in the NFL. This was right around the same time that Silver Spoons came out and had, you know, that guy was a former NFL player. Mm. You know, all oh, okay. these different characters were coming out. There was um, uh, Webster also had a former NFL football player. This was <laughs> all around that same time period. But Hunter was one of the ones that ran for a really long time it ended up making it all the way to 91 so like 150 some odd episodes that they had but it was los angeles gritty supposedly modern you know because it was set in the current timeline detective show and it was one of the ones that I talked about earlier about my parents liking In the Heat of the Night. This is one that my father and I would watch together. It was one of those that oh, we could both mm-hmm. enjoy sitting on the couch. You know, it was manly enough for him to watch. <laughs> and <laughs> I enjoyed the police chases and action yeah, sequences. Action. <laughs> yeah. So it was one of the rare shows that shared just enough between the two of us that we could sit and enjoy watching it together. Hmm. I'm not sure if I ever watched Hunter, but I get the, the angle that you're talking about where th- there are pieces of it that can help and reach a couple of different demographics. And it did for you and your dad there, right? It's like, it's fast paced enough to entertain you, but he has the angle that's more dramatic. So yeah, you yeah. know, and you know, it started off on Friday night. So it was up against some big shows like Dallas at the oh, time. Yeah. Oh, not really a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was you wanted <laughs> the two main people, Fred Dreyer and Stephanie Kramer. Uh, they were the two main people in it. And okay. it was just, I'm not going to say it was unique because it was rather derivative as any cop detective show probably was in the mid eighties. Mm, yeah, but yeah. you know, it's one of those that it captures a moment in time for me. It does. Yeah. Hunter. And it ran for a while. See, it ran into the early nineties. So it's mm-hmm. not like it was a flash in the pan either. Is it? No, it that's what I'm saying. Hunter? Like 150 some odd episodes. Yeah. Okay. Well, all of these we've talked about so far are detectives who were employed by the police department. When we get back on the other side of the break, we're going to start talking about the detectives who weren't employed by the police department <laughs> or <laughs> anybody <laughs> or anyone that get paid the amateurs who were detectives would we'll stick around right after the break. Hello and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. 
Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. This Wednesday, it's a special two-hour magnum. And next Wednesday... What do you want? I want the truth. Frank Sinatra. Guest stars. So far, you're on a lousy investigation. As we go through this list of these 80s TV detectives, it occurs to me that many of these could be their own dedicated backtrack. There's so much you could talk about. Oh, sure. Not just like the actors and the stories, but how they impacted pop culture in general. And the one that jumps out as we get into these amateur detectives, these sleuths, is if ever you were on a getaway and Jessica Fletcher, played by Angela Lansbury, <laughs> was visiting, somebody's going to die yeah. and she's going to have to solve it. She's like it. a harbinger of death, you know? <laughs> yeah, the Grim Reaper, Jessica Fletcher, the author. Of course, we're talking about Murder, She Wrote, which ran from 84 into this into the 90s. But it, it was, again, it was a, she was an amateur detective. She was just an author, but everywhere she showed up, somebody died and she had to help solve it. You know, we, we often talk about things being the granddaddy of this or the grand. This is the grandmama of these amateur sleuth detective shows. I think, I think so. Of yeah. the medium, it's probably the, it's either tied for first or it's the second place to one we're going to talk about a little bit later as far as amateur sleuth detective shows and how popular mm. they were. She's very close to a Betty White type of status. Angela Lansbury, I mean. In, in this genre, oh, yeah. yeah, she is. Yeah. She's the absolutely, she's the model against, you know, oh, well, here's how you can be someone who's not a detective and portray a detective in a believable way. Oh, mm-hmm. Believable-ish, I guess, for 80s <laughs> television. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like eventually police are going to get a little suspicious when you're around 270 murders. Eventually they're going to start looking at you. I always thought she should be the first person they questioned. Cause they're like, <laughs> you've been at every murder that you, everywhere you go, somebody dies. <laughs> and a lot of them in her own hometown. Like, Maybe it's you. Why are so many people living in this town that everybody's getting murdered in? I would like to live not where Jessica Fletcher lives, please, because it's, it's <laughs> or, or high risk zone. Or... Yeah. You know, you pull up an intersection. It says caution, high crash zone in the, like the front of the town. Caution, high murder zone. Jessica Fletcher, <laughs> The author lives here. <laughs> Beware. <laughs> so uh, the next one that I wanted to bring to our attention here on this show was one that it's an unlikely show for me to watch because I think at its heart, it was kind of like an adventure love story in addition to a detective story. But this came out in, started in 79, but ran all through the mid 80s. Uh, Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers played Heart to Heart. Oh, right. I remember the opening of that. Well, husband and wife team, right? Yeah. Millionaire, husband and wife. And they traveled the world. Of course, they were millionaires. Yeah. in many ways, like Angela Lansbury, Murder, She Wrote, wherever they went, something happened, <laughs> if they were murder or a crime that they had to solve. <laughs> and they got unprecedented Batman style access to, the, you know, the cops were like, oh, come on in, Hearts. Tell That's us what, what I was going to say. The- it's like what was really happening on Batman that nobody wanted to say. So they just turned Robin into a woman and made heart to heart. <laughs> That's pretty much what was happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh- yeah no secret identities, though. Well, no, because they call it heart to heart. So you can't have any secret identities when their names are in the title. No. <laughs> like who are the superheroes? Well, I think it's just two people named Hart because it's called Heart to Heart. Wait, Robert Wagner, he was the like I dare you knock the battery off my shoulder guy, right? Yes. Was yep. he? In the oh, Duracell wow. commercial? I, about that. I think yeah. so. Yep. 
I dare you. He had that haircut and that demeanor, right, of the cool, sophisticated, tough guy. That was kind of his thing, if I mm-hmm. remember right. Yeah, he definitely, he was some muscle, right? He, he was no pushover. Uh, and often his wife was the damsel in distress, but she was also very smart. And she pretty much was, she was the brains and he was the brawn in many cases. Yeah, I, I always thought Heart to Heart was fun, even though it didn't at its surface look like it would appeal to me, but it always did. So I, I would watch that one when it came on. Uh, now, the next one is one that I think we could debate, are these people actually amateur sleuths? But it's such an important and iconic Gen X era <laughs> show that I put it on the list here. And Mo, you can debate me. I know you're not sure about this, <sighs> but I propose the A-team were amateur <sighs> detectives in many ways. Yeah, I'm, I, I might be on Mo's side. Oh my God. With this one. Oh, what, what do you yeah. think? Well, my thing is that I didn't think they were like trying to solve missions. I thought they were more like problem solvers, like the Seven Samurai or the Magnificent Seven. You know, this town needs help and they drive through and happen to be there and help out. Not necessarily that who murdered the butler and the thing, whatever. You know, they weren't really that kind of people. They were good Samaritan mercenaries. Yeah. That's really what they were. So we can agree they weren't getting paid, right? They did what they (laughs) did gratis, right? So they're definitely amateur. They're not getting paid and they're not working for the police department. So that much is okay. Well, I'll give you that much. Yeah, Yeah. but I, I think I agree with Mo was they weren't having to solve a mystery. They weren't having to figure something out. The whole premise of the show, when you have problems, when you need help that you can't get from anywhere else, call us. We're the A-team, whatever that line was at the beginning. The mm-hmm. people that would call them already knew who the bad guys were. They already knew what was going on. These drug dealers are tearing apart our town. Please come right. in and blow them up, but don't kill All anybody. Right. I, Just launch them into the air on these crazy gas-powered ramps. I love where a plant goes together. <laughs> So in many ways, I guess you could say this is more like like the equalizer than it is a detective show. Like, yeah. like we know the problem. We're bringing in hired muscle that we can't solve the problem ourselves. Yeah. It's not it's yeah. not deducing the problem so much as it is resolving the problem. Because if you go with the A-team, you have to go with equalizer. Yeah, okay. That's true. Because that's even just one individual, right? I guess it's kind of, it's it's that ragged edge. Who also was not getting paid. Yeah, I, 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 I see your point clearly, but uh, this is one of those that clearly, like, I mean, if we're a Gen X era podcast and we're not talking about the A-team on his dedicated episode one day, we're not doing our job. I mean, the A-team yeah. is true. This is true. has earned its place, but okay. I contend it's kind of a pseudo amateur detective show, but I get your point. All right. Well, I've got one that's not pseudo at all, I think. Okay. All right. And then you guys can debate whether I'm wrong or not, which will probably be okay. true. Right. I've got Magnum PI on the list. Oh, absolutely. That fits. In my oh, opinion, yeah. it's <laughs> probably one of the most iconic and I think the best of the amateur sleuth detective shows. Like I talked about earlier, Murder, She Wrote, I know is right on its heels. For me, mm-hmm. Magnum PI was a little bit better. I enjoyed a little bit more. I think Tom Selleck has stood the test of time as well as anybody, not only as an actor, mm-hmm. but as an icon specifically because of that show. You have certain catchphrases that pop out of the show. What, what do you think, Higgy baby? You know, you got mm-hmm. the Ferrari yep. that everybody talks about. We even, I think we talked about that Ferrari in our cars. We podcast. did. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It ran from 80 to 88. There's not much more Gen X than 80 to 88. (laughs) He's in Hawaii. He lives at the behest of some rich guy who lets him live in the pool house. And he has a friend who's a helicopter pilot. (laughs) TC. Yeah. All these different things. (laughs) I really enjoyed that show. He was always helping people, solving problems. 
for me, it's a perfect amateur sleuth show. You know what I really liked about it, and still to this day do, is it was not something that we had seen over and over again. It wasn't retired cop or retired something who happens to have resources, who's going to go off on his own. This was a guy who, he was a bright detective in his own right, but he pulled in his friends in a way that like, all right, I have a guy who's a resource. I have TC with a, with a chopper, as you said, we're going to call mm-hmm. him. We're going to fly across and do this. Or, you know, I can borrow the car from, you know, he can just gonna give me crap again <laughs> for borrowing the car. <laughs> you always had, you know, the guest star who was the, the victim or the sometimes the perpetrator of the crime. But it wasn't just about Magnum. It was how he brought in his friends and he worked together with his colleagues. He was a star, but I hadn't seen kind of, a, he was a superhero kind of figure that wasn't independent. He relied on his buddies to get work done and they supported him. And it was this collaborative kind of almost an ensemble show with a clear center star. Well, and they all had kind of a good little background story. You know, he was former Mm -hmm. Navy. TC was, you know, the other guys were were military members that that's where he knew them from and stuff. While they had those backgrounds that made sense, I love the fact that they didn't throw them in your face every single episode. Like there was an occasional, oh, there's some dark days from your military past episode kind of thing but that was the rarity of (laughs) the episodes it wasn't always mining that same material yeah it was just it was adding color i agree yep yeah and mo you have the tom Selleck good looks so you're probably a big magnum pi fan (laughs) (laughs) sure i thought it looked like somebody else okay (laughs) oh no that was alfred e newman my mistake what you're thinking about man (laughs) i don't think it's fair that you get to call mo out like that so i think we should allow mo to at least give us the last one in this category Okay. Yeah, I will do that. Fair so, enough. Now this one, if you talk about your ultimate amateur sleuth team, ultimate. Okay. Without a doubt in my head, you got to talk about Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, it was mysteries, right? They had a mystery mobile. I mean, come on. Did we forget Hong Kong Fui? <laughs> What in the world? <laughs> Hong Kong Fui Jeez. worked for the police department, technically, so he would not be in this category. That's right. You can't do Hong Kong Fui. Oh, so he was in the previous segment. My fault. <laughs> right. He was a janitor, so. But they were they were solving <laughs> mysteries. That was their job, right? That's what they did. <laughs> they were. They were amateur. This is the mystery machine. Mystery yeah, machine. I got to give go. it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. It wasn't usually a murder, of course. That was too dark for kids shows, but it was something. Someone was stealing haunting money a place from the thing. Or, stealing, yeah. They were embezzling or something, right? And they'd have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those meddling kids and their and damn dog. dog. <laughs> and it probably dog. has the longest run of any of the shows we're going to talk <laughs> about on right. the list. And yeah. it's also yeah. the only show with a character who uses a magnifying glass with a Sherlock Holmes hat. This is true. Do you remember the uncle that he had? He was the gray, bigger dog that was a little bit older on Scooby-Doo. You go, oh, oh Scooby-Doo's dun. uncle. Scooby-Doo's yeah. uncle. Yes. Okay. Yes. The actual dog's uncle. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. That yeah. character is the about? one that I still, that's why at the beginning of the podcast, I was like, dum dum dum, because <laughs> that thing that he would, that little phrase utterance that he would do just to this day sticks in my brain. Oh, if only they had ruined it with Scrappy-Doo. That was oh, that. Their only misstep. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> I hate that little bastard. Somebody just shoot him out of a cannon and leave him alone. Scrappy dude. Scrappy. I know. They also had that same problem though, where it's like, did bad thing happen where they went or did they go where bad things happen? Could you suspect them as being the problem? No, they, I mean, they, it was just coincidental. Well, I mean, Shaggy should have been a suspect in every damn episode that. Yeah. He's weird. Yeah. He he was always in possession. I assure you at all times. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean Scooby snacks. No. (laughs) 
Yeah, it, it was a fun show. Uh, certainly nothing more identifiable with Gen X than a yeah. cartoon like yep. Scooby-Doo. It's it's a worthy inclusion on the list. I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. Well done, Mo. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I feel vindicated. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at genxgrownup.com. You notice I was wearing glasses? The man with sex appeal, style. Real class. From the producers of 21 Jump Street and Wise Guy. We got more in common than I thought. James Garner, The Rockford Files. Weeknights at 8 on Atlanta's 36. All right, so we've talked about cops that are detectives and get paid to do it. We've talked about amateurs that don't get paid to do it, but there's kind of a segment in the middle there. These are people who do get paid to solve mysteries. However, they are not police-employed detectives. And Ah. those are private dicks. I just wanted to say that. Is that private dick, see? Uh, <laughs> private dick, <yeah. laughs> There's a long storied tradition in books and TV and mm-hmm. movies all about the private detectives. It's one of my favorite genres of film noir. I love that kind of stuff. And I want to start this off with one of the TV shows that I've probably mentioned on the podcast once before. That was one of those things that my father and I could share. I know I do that a lot in this episode. Uh, the <laughs> Rockford Files with James. Oh, yeah. Oh, my dad loved yep. that show. Mm-hmm. 1974 to 1980. Always started off with the little automatic recorder. You reach Jim Rockford, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Love that. Had that crazy car. I think we talked about that one as well in the car. Yeah, just the episode. brown country shit box, which is... <laughs> <laughs> is that what they're called? That's a technical. Yeah. It ran for six years, but it's got a really weird reason why the show was canceled had nothing to do with ratings had nothing to do with money had nothing to do with people not liking each other apparently the show was so physical that james garner who was getting a little bit up there in age just simply wrecked his body over six seasons and could no longer do the show in the episodes so they just had to cancel it they didn't want to recast who who are you going to recast no really no 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 So, yeah, he just got beat up so much doing all of that physical work day in and day out. Because, you know, Hmm, TV shows, new episode every week, five days a week of driving in the car, getting your ass beat, punched, you know, all that stuff. (laughs) And none of this six episodes in a season either. It's like, you know, like 26 episodes, 28 episodes. Yeah. So, yeah, very interesting end. Probably the only time I've ever heard that a show was ended because an actor couldn't physically do the role anymore. Because you wore someone out, right? Yeah. (laughs) I I remember he was such a 
suave guy. Like he was good with the ladies and he was mm-hmm. had a silver tongue. He could talk his way into any situation. The, what probably what I remember most about the Rockford files, I don't know why it sticks with me so much. Uh, in addition to the car, as you said, is that he had a little printing press in his car where he would make business cards yeah. based oh, right. on what he needed. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I need them to think I'm a doctor. So he'd go and he'd yeah. put the little pieces together and print out one card and go, hi, right, Jim Rockford, MD, right? And he would just right. hand the card over. And that was his little sneaky way of getting into any situation where he needed access. And I always thought yep. that was so clever. Well, <laughs> and I really like the lineage of the show as well. So this was produced by the same guy who produced Maverick. And that's exactly oh, why James okay. Garner was James Garner. on the show. Right. Yep. Because the guy wanted to specifically do another show with Garner, but just told in a different genre. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And that, that fits. That's a good yeah. one. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. Uh, so I have one that I okay. think for me is, might be one of my all-time favorites of this genre we're talking about, of any of the categories. Again, right smack dab in the middle of the 80s, 81 to 89 for eight years. So Simon and Simon. Oh. There were these two brothers who were very much like the odd couple running a detective agency. One of them was very prim and very proper and three-piece suit. And then his slovenly brother, who has <laughs> got a t-shirt or just a button-up or something and rumpled hat or whatever. And they formed their own. They were AJ and Rick, two brothers, and they formed their own detective agency. And probably what I like about it more than the detective work was those two guys playing off of each other. I believed them as brothers. I believed them as detectives. And they were entertaining no matter what the scripts were that mm. came along, just seeing how they reacted to the environment and the, and the situation. was it one of these guys, Gerald McRaney, who I love to death these days? Yeah, the the, the frumpy guy, the uh, the Oscar of the, of the odd couple, really? if you will. Really? So he was, was the Gerald frumpy McRaney. guy. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. his demeanor and everything he does is so like... Like he's almost above whoever he's acting with in the scene. Like he, yeah. his his stature is taller than them. Big his guy, shoulders yeah. are back. His chin is tilted up a little bit every time when he's talking to people. And everything I've seen since Simon and Simon, he's always like, I'm the smartest motherfucker in the room. <laughs> and everybody needs to know that. Yep. Well, he was the frumpy one. And the other guy was, I forget his name, but he was, uh, I think he was one of the Hardy boys. Uh, oh, okay. originally, what was his name? I can't think of his name. But anyway, he was the younger, he was a thinner and shorter. And then his brother was kind of the big galumphing guy. And I'm exaggerating their roles, but they were definitely an odd couple as brothers running a detective agency. Always <laughs> thought it was great. And a great theme song. If you get a chance to hear it. Yep. Yeah. It's a great it's kind of jazz theme song kind of thing. Maybe almost as much as I like Simon and Simon. Another one that I think we can all agree on that definitely fits in the private eye category. Ran from 76 to 81. All you have to do is picture the speaker on the desk and a voice going, hello, angels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's Angels, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we all liked it because of one uh, particular angel. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna three say. particular reasons, in fact. <laughs> well, yes, but there's one that kind of stood out, especially when the show first started. So Farrah Fawcett. Fawcett was a major sex symbol <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> Obviously, there's no question. Time. Yeah, <laughs> We know what we're talking about, right? Well, she had uh, with Farrah Fawcett, you had Kate Jackson, different people rotated in another. Uh, Cheryl Teagues, I think, right? Cheryl. Cheryl Teagues replaced Cheryl Ladd. Cheryl Ladd. At yeah, one point. she replaced yep. Farrah Fawcett. Yep. So they 
they rotate it out. Yeah. Uh, Jacqueline Smith. I think she's yeah. my Smith. favorite. Yep. Uh, and it, this is one of those, it was so contrived. It was another like <laughs> secret identity going on. You never knew who Charlie was. You always had Bosley there who was passing on the information and, <laughs> and the angels were just ridiculously talented. What they had drafted them out of the police Academy, <laughs> the, <laughs> right. the story of three little girls. Right. And they, and they ended up being just great detectives and they could, and they were no slouch when it came to hand to hand combat. Of course. They'd kick an ass whether you're a lady or a gentleman. Uh, but there was the mystery of that show behind, like, who is Charlie? And what's he going to send them to do this <laughs> right. time? You know, they didn't go somewhere and run into something. They went specifically. Charlie, however, was sent. Go yeah. tackle this problem, right? Well, and you know, you've got the pose, right? That's... That's oh, one yeah. of the iconic the things from the 70s, <laughs> the three ladies in the different parts. And yep. even the silhouette, you see it now. Yep. Like, just the silhouette's all you need to see, and everybody oh, knows. Yeah. Charlie's yep. Angels right Charlie's away. Angels. Yep. Absolutely. And, John, you talk about they were badasses that could fight, but this was the 70s and 80s. Nobody could fight on television. Let's no. be real. <laughs> right. Really, it was the... In comparison <laughs> with the other people trying to fight on TV, they did well. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. because... It was written for them to win, but yeah, it was, oh man, they were, it was popcorn detective show. That's what I feel oh, like yeah. Charlie's Angels yeah, was. And, and was not a damn thing wrong with that. No, no, no exactly. <laughs> and did we mention Farrah Fawcett's on it? Yes. Farrah Fawcett is on Great reason. <laughs> Give me a refill on the popcorn. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about somebody else who is just as damn beautiful as Farrah Fawcett. Okay. Pierce Brosnan, Remington Steel, baby. Are you kidding <laughs> yep. me? That yep. man is awesome. Man. Yeah. Oh, charisma to burn that guy. Yeah. Oh yep. my God. So premise of the show for those who were under a rock from 82 to 87, <laughs> yep. there was a woman who was a great detective, but nobody would believe that she could really do a man's job. Right. Mm -hmm. So Pierce Brosnan comes out of nowhere and becomes the face of the Remington Steel Detective Agency. You never really know what his true identity right. is. I think that's one of my favorite parts of the show. <laughs> and he was so suave, so debonair it was one of the few times that an englishman wasn't a bad guy on american television yeah oh yeah okay right and we all i think in the 80s everybody started saying probably year two or three that's the next james bond oh yeah that's yep. the next yep. james bond yeah, that was a whole thing and right mo it, it <laughs> never <laughs> happened when it should have it happened later yep. because of contracts and mm -hmm. legal and all like that this show was responsible for the delay of him becoming james bond that's right they wanted him right that's the ironic twist right it was responsible for people wanting him to be james bond and then it was responsible for him not being james bond right <laughs> yep that's Sucks. That's what happened. Yeah. Luckily, the, the planets aligned as they should once he finished Remington Steel and we got the great Bond portrayal that we all know and love. Or today, everybody so. just said, to hell with Timothy Dalton. Let's bring in Pierce Bros. Yeah. Now that he's available. <laughs> just, a little from column A, a little from column B. I think those played together. Yep. Uh, so I guess the A team has set the precedent here. I have another one that might be questionable, but I think still it counts. And I want to talk about it because the six million dollar man is in it. And that is the fall guy. <laughs> Wait, you mean Fairfoss's husband? Yeah, no, right. no, no, no. I'm talking six million dollar man. Leave the haters. <laughs> yes, Fairfoss's husband. husband. <laughs> That's true. So the fall guy in this, he was actually he was a stunt man, as you know. Great theme song sung by Lee Majors. Poorly, I might add. He's not a vocalist, but on his off time, he was a bounty hunter. Now that was his official role that he was. He was paid to do that as a bounty hunter, but it was more than go and get a guy. Invariably in the show, when 
that he was going to catch someone for a bounty, he got embroiled in what was going on in their life and the mystery and the murder and ended up solving and rectifying things. So I propose, well, I'm ready to see if Moe's going to counter me here. I think Fall Guy counts as a professional private eye based on how it ended up, not on his bounty hunter role. What do you think? Uh, it's great. <laughs> That's going to become great. a new soundbite for Mo. Yeah. Uh, A new soundbite, well because established. Yeah, you know, I mean, the only thing I say is like there really wasn't like a mystery. That's the only thing I would say. He would be a bounty but hunter. There was. That was the oh. thing. Like someone would be, you know, wrongfully accused or something, and he would work yeah. it out. I'd say, how about this? It definitely, I believe this one more so than the eighteen. Oh wow! Thanks for that. <laughs> Here's the low bar you just stepped over. <laughs> right. No, right. I mean, I, okay. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I, I could see it. I mean, I think it's pushing it a little bit, but I definitely see where it could fall into the category. Yeah. What, what do you think, George? Fall guy count? It does to me. Are you- yeah, I think I'm going to go a little bit more on your side on this one. I, yes, I got I think okay. the fall guy because. The reason why it kind of has to go this way is there's no way that a bounty hunter fake TV show or scripted TV show, however you want to call it, could mm-hmm. run for five seasons because it's the same story if he's just a bounty hunter. You get a bounty, you go out and Caught catch the guy. the guy or don't catch the, the guy, guy shows the over. Guy. Right. Yep. That's yeah. it. It's the same show every time. Whereas in yep. this case, you're right that go out and catch the guy. You know, he's a bad guy. Oh, wait, maybe he's not really a bad guy. Maybe right. yes. he was falsely accused. The and maybe bounty I can hunter role find was the, doorway. the person yep. who really did the crime. I remember those episodes happening fairly frequently yep. you got throughout it. the thing. So there's okay. where my mystery is satisfied. I need okay. that mystery. I think in this case, that's why it's satisfied. All right. So I, I won this one. I think I lost the 18, but I might have won you this You definitely one. lost okay. the 18. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, there's no maybe. No <laughs> Damn, Mo. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to round this out with what, in my opinion, is the most Gen X detective show of all time. Damn. I know we talked about Magnum P.I. He's awesome. Murder, She Wrote, totally awesome. But if you're going to tell me that there is a more Gen X show than Moonlighting, I'm going to tell you nah. to go to hell. Yeah. Bruce Willis. Yeah. And Sybil Shepard, right? Bruce yep. Willis, Sybil Shepard. Bruce Willis was born to play that role. Again, it's one of those yeah. odd couple kind of things where it's a man and a woman and she's very prim and proper and he's very like loose and sarcastic and everything. Moonlighting made Bruce Willis a star. No oh, question. It did. Oh, no question about that at all. Yeah, right. He would not have gotten Die Hard was it for that. No, he wouldn't have gotten anything no. if it wasn't for Moonlighting, really, because he's <laughs> well, he kind of a jerk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> people don't really like the guy, but... You look at the outfits, the costumes, the music. They even did a musical episode for a detective show in Moonlighting. When you do that kind of stuff, there's nothing that screams 80s more than that, I don't think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with you on this one. Yeah. It's definitely a classic Gen X show. And I'll admit it's not one that I watched a whole lot because the name of it sounded like a love story. Oh, it's Moonlighting. Well, there was that, there was that like, <laughs> will they, won't they kind of thing too. They did that. The there was yeah. that like, like three seasons. And yeah. then yep. they got together, show got canceled. Yep. Because that's what happens with those shows. It wasn't until well after the series ended that I came back around to watch some of it and go, oh, okay, Moonlighting. It's because it's your second job, Moonlighting. Not that. Okay. <laughs> See, what I heard so much was about the will they, won't they, and so I was like, "Oh, it's a love story," and that was that was the subtext, not the main thrust of the story. And so I came around to moonlighting later on. Definitely, yeah. great pick. Now I'm not going to say it stands the test of time. I'm not. I, I can't say that. <laughs> 
That's tough right. to say. Yeah, for many yeah, of these. I, yeah. I don't know that it can. Uh, there are some things Bruce Willis has done that has stood the test of time. I'm not sure Moonlighting is one of them, but mm. as a show of its time, if it's not on this list, nothing else needs to be. Wow, that's bold, and I maybe don't disagree with you. So <laughs> <laughs> when we get back on the other side of the break, we have a few more stragglers that we couldn't quite find a category for. <laughs> so we're going to round it out. Stick around. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't come that on. bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Pair off Thursday nights, beginning with... The Lost Treasure of the Simons. But easy money may spell certain death for Simon & Simon. Then Suzanne Plachette and Nicholas Suravi are rival reporters with a secret passion. Can I come over to your place and borrow a cup of you? Bridges to Cross. And on Knox Landing, a couple bound by desperate love. I have kids. You have Gary's kids. A couple consumed by jealousy. Jill doesn't love you. You never stop, Pair off Thursdays. So we have these people that I, I can't figure out what category they should fit in. They didn't fit okay. neatly to any of the three that we have. Some kind of detective. But I think they fit the category of detective stories. And one of the ones that comes to my mind immediately is a show I watch all the time was Quincy Emmy. Oh, okay. Oh, the medical examiner. Yep. Yeah. Jack Klugman. Yep. yep. You remember the opening scene where like the intern passes out? Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Because he's doing an autopsy. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because to me, it's like he gets the body, he looks at it, and he realizes that there's more to the story. And he goes and he basically does the cop's job. And, and puts his nose where it doesn't belong. Absolutely. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So he's not really a cop, right? Well, but, and we're not saying cop, but I would say that medical examiners just in their profession are detectives because they are solving how a person dies. Certainly. So I think it definitely needs to be included in this list. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But Quincy where? bypassed the typical role of a medical examiner in yeah. that he wasn't just deducing from the evidence on the body. That was his starting True. point, his leaping off point. He then, as they said, went and inserted himself into the situations. And he was very Columbo-like in that he would ask <laughs> uncomfortable questions of people he shouldn't be talking to. Hey, I'm not a cop. I'm just asking questions, right? Yeah. He just he was very disarming in that way. And it was Jack Klugman, who we, we talked yeah. Odd Couple before. Yeah, yeah Odd Couple. <laughs> I always saw him in that role as kind of like, I imagine that must be like when Oscar grew up and got his own career that he became this medical examiner. Because <laughs> he was kind of similar in the, like the persona and how he didn't really give a shit what other people thought sort of thing. I like that about him. The only thing I wondered about, because this show was when I was a young person, and as a young person, you don't always understand the nuances of a story, but I just kept always asking my dad, how come nobody fires this guy? Because he was <laughs> he was doing everybody else's job and mm -hmm. getting yelled at all the time. Yep. I'm like, how come nobody's fired like he him? He sold mysteries. You know, he gets yeah. the job done. <laughs> he Damn gets it. the job done. Damn it, Klugman. <laughs> you're, you're a renegade <laughs> medical examiner. <Yeah. laughs> Here's a question. What was his first name? Quincy. Uh, uh, 
That's the last name. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I was like eight at the time. So Bill. Because nobody Ted. calls him by his first name ever. Everyone calls him Quincy or Quince or something like so that. So do you know what his first you know name what it is? was? Uh, I think it's Richard. Because somebody calls him, I think one episode, somebody calls him Richie. Ah, and I think they yeah. assume that his name was Richard, but they, that's the only time they made any reference to it. It's always mm. Quincy. All right. That's true. I, you know, I never thought about that part of the show. Huh. Yeah. All right. I have one more. That, okay. Why do I always bring up the debatable ones? I, I hope this one we can fall, we can all agree on. It's definitely not a cop. Okay. Definitely not employed by the police department. Also not an amateur because they have an entire organization behind them getting work done, but they're not really a private eye that's licensed. What about Michael Knight and Knight Rider? Oh. Certainly solving crimes. Yeah. You could argue some of the A-team thrown in there because they're yeah. solving some problems problem too. problem solving. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, we've said the word mystery a lot. It doesn't have to be a mystery that solved solving a crime fits perfectly True. within a satisfactory framework. and Knight Rider yeah. was doing that you're right yep yeah I, yeah. I kind of got to say that it's that it should be on the list I yeah, think I I'm think so too you again. okay alright so we, we're able to agree on Knight Rider and I Knight Rider's a fourth listener email on that one but yeah I think it's it well those people just don't hit send because we've all agreed that <laughs> Knight Rider <laughs> well, but it's, it's another one that's so Gen X that again if we don't yeah. do a backtrack oh, all yeah. about Knight Rider we are just slipping we are not. Yeah. <laughs> we have not stacked the schedule properly. I mean, the car with the pulsing Cylon light on the front. We talked about it, and they yeah. talked about our mm-hmm. favorite cars of Gen X. Right? There's been a yeah. lot of the crossover between the cars. Yeah, between cars. And this one. <laughs> Apparently, detectives have to drive cars, and they're somewhat iconic. Who knew? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Such a fun show, and it was almost back before they were doing these well. It was a superhero show in many ways. Mm, like it I'll wasn't superpowers; it was just a supercar. But Michael Knight, he was you know drafted in, into this, and he, he he was kind of out of his element, and he was thrust into doing this work. And I really like that about Knight Rider, and it was one that I loved watching, whether we solving the mysteries or not. I mean, as a kid, I wasn't watching it for the what he was solving; I was watching it for the car. But yeah, it, it turned out it does it hold up. I don't know, but there's more to it than just the car and the, what was going on there. You it, know, it yeah. had a similar backstory and structure to another thing that I liked, which was a film around that same time called The Adventures of Remo Williams. Mm-hmm. Remo oh, Williams yeah. was a guy who now he was a cop who ended up getting forced into a situation he didn't want to be in. Knight Rider was kind of that same thing. As a matter of fact, at one point, wasn't there even like an evil twin who had had reconstructive face surgery or something like that? Well, if it ran in the 80s, then yes, that happened in every show. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I do remember. I think you're right. There was an episode like that. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) the car was his superpower, right? So it kind of had the the Batman feel as well, right? Rich company that's providing all this cool toys, the car being the main one. Yeah. But it's not his. He always got chastised for like hurting the car or doing it wrong or whatever. Well, the car chastised him half the damn time. That's true too. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. So we all agree Knight Rider belongs there. Yeah. I can die happy now. Knight Rider made the list. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Before we put a bow on this show, we did this when we uh, talked about our favorite cars and I want to run through each of you and maybe we talked about it. Maybe we didn't. Maybe it made our list. Maybe it didn't. Of that would qualify as 80s era detective TV shows, what do you think was your favorite one that you remember most 
fondly. And I, I'll go ahead and start. I think I pretty well tipped my hand earlier when I said Simon and Simon was pretty much my favorite of that era, the one I remember. I mean, of course, you had the Knight Riders and the A-teams that were great, but in a pure detective story, just the characterizations of those two guys playing the odd couple kind of brothers, such a great show for me. So Simon and Simon yeah. would be my pick of this list. Uh, Mo, what about you? Can you pick a favorite, you think? I still have to go back to Columbo. Yeah? It's, okay. it's the one I remember the most. And also, just because the character was just totally different from every other other kind of detective or anything like it out there. They said the whole disarming, just sort of, but super smart, but he just kind of hid how smart he was mm-hmm. and to yep. solve the crimes. I just like that. And the whole format too, just really attracted me for some reason. Well, that's appropriate. You go with Columbo. I think it's the oldest show here on our list. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oldest <movie. laughs> oh, George, how about you? Favorite show? <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Mr. Bean Mini Cooper. <laughs> no, you're not. What? I can't do that one? We're looking for a detective show here. Oh, we're on a different podcast. Okay, yes. fine, fine, fine. Let me think. Now, honestly, uh, I think my favorite one, it's a it's a close race between Moonlighting and Magnum P.I., but I think I got to go with Magnum P.I. It's a Good little pick. bit more rewatchable. I love yeah. Tom Selleck in that role. I love the guy who played Higgins. Mm-hmm. I just really have a lot of fond memories about that show from a slightly, I don't know, younger view, I think. I don't know why I feel like I was younger when Magnum P.I. was on. I probably wasn't, but I felt a little bit older when I was watching Moonlighting, and Magnum P.I. just has a little bit more special place in my heart. Good. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome pick, no matter the reason, and plus good reasons on top of it. Love it. Okay. (laughs) Hey, that is going to wrap it up for our look back at our favorite 80s detective TV shows. I want to again thank Tom Jay, fourth listener who wrote in requesting that we do this show. See, write in if you have suggestions. We absolutely put them on the list and find a way to get it done. And before we end the show, a quick shout out. I want to thank Beefy and Tanner 4105. Beefy, of course, the artist who performs our theme song, Grown Up. They became a supporter over on Patreon just what? recently. Yeah. yeah. We okay. support them and they support us. They just so want to. We're both put their just head. giving money to Patreon at this point we're just fees. split money with patreon that's right <laughs> just, just tell them to send it in the mail we'll send some money back we'll give them we'll do a discount thing or something it's 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 a show of support you know having that extra extra supporter on there tallies up the numbers people like to back a winner so we appreciate them throwing their hat in the ring there and saying we also support you uh and of course provider of our awesome theme song grown up so thanks again uh, for that we appreciate you that then is going to wind it up for this edition of the gen x grown up podcast we'll be back in two weeks of course with another backtrack but next week we're back to the regular edition of our show until then i am john george thank you so much for being here man yes sir mo you know i appreciate you always fun man and fourth listener you know it's you we all appreciate most of all and we will talk to you next time bye-bye see you guys take care everybody Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. All right, that didn't throw you for a loop, does it, Mo? Nah. <laughs> He's got Columbo. Yeah, I know. As long as, like, as, long as I know where Columbo is, yeah, I'm, I'm good, good to go. Okay. All right, let's do it. I'm just really surprised that email made it to air. I got like three or four different compliments in that thing, and you still read it. That's awesome. I was out of email. I- <laughs> <laughs> Private eyes. There what? No, I'm not doing. Oh that. my god. Are you, you Daryl Hall or John Oates? What's wrong? I'm you? neither. Oh, and Mo.
Yeah, Mo. Sorry. I was say, now we know we appreciate him most of all because he forgot Mo. <laughs> right, right, and possibly Mo. Right. Coming up on Five Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.